Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. I want to ask you, has God told you yet He's going to do something in your life and you haven't fully trusted that He's going to pull it off? Are you in your Bible enough to even know what he says he's going to do for you? See, I'm backtracking now. Where are you at on the spectrum? How far in are you? When he says he's going to do something, he will. It encourages, encourages us to have confidence that he's going to do what he said. Hezekiah prayed specifically, incline your ear, and the Lord answered specifically, I heard. I want to ask you, are your prayers specific? Or are you just, God, I'm in trouble, get me out. Are you praying specifically? You should. If you don't pray specifically, you're not really believing God has the power to act. So pray specifically. He says, I heard. But not only did the Lord hear, but he also had a thing or two to say about the king of Assyria for spouting all those insults off. (laughs) Ooh, this is the part I want to get into. So he had a few things to say. And as you read this, you'll see why it's written out in a poetic form. It's written in a kind of a poetic uh, type of style, which was probably to enhance the language that these are the thoughts of the Lord God himself is why it's in poetic form. It says 2 Kings 19.21, this is the word which the Lord has spoken concerning him. The virgin, the daughter of Zion has despised you, laughed you to scorn, The daughter of Jerusalem has shaken her head behind your back. Okay, the fact that Jerusalem was was called the virgin daughter, I think that may be suggesting that at this point in history, Jerusalem had never been conquered yet. The virgin daughter has not been violated in that sense. So here come the enemy. We're going to get you. And the Lord says, no, you're not. That's what he's basically saying. You're not going to do anything like you think you are. So Jerusalem had never been conquered and and up until that time when when it had become under Israelite control. So for the king of Assyria to brag about all the nations he'd conquered before, God was saying, fine, but Jerusalem has never been taken yet. Not this one. Not this town, buddy. God's like, this is my town. (laughs) This macho talk... Uh, the king of Assyria to boast about taking over all these other kingdoms, this unconquered Jerusalem would hear all this big macho talk and, and just shake her head. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get <laughs> Jerusalem's like, no, you're not. That's why he said she shook her head at you. As if to say, this king has no idea what he's talking about. We have the Lord God of Israel. You're not going to take us. This is God's town, Jerusalem. 2 Kings 19.22 Whom you have reproached and blasphemed, against whom have you raised your voice 
and lifted up your eyes on high against the Holy One of Israel. So King Sennacherib's insults were not just directed at Jerusalem, but when he insulted Jerusalem, he insulted the Lord God himself. He took it very, very seriously. Any of you who have a family to protect, and if somebody came and assaulted one of your own family, that would be the same as if they assaulted you personally. I would take it a personal insult, uh, assault upon me if somebody tried to attack and violate my wife. You just attacked me, not just her. God loves Israel, and the Lord God took these threats personal. He's saying, you did not just insult Israel. You did not just insult Jerusalem. You insulted me, king of Assyria, macho man. We shake our head at you. So he is known as the God of Israel in here, we've seen. And Jerusalem is the very center of all creation. That's an amazing way to think about it. Jerusalem is the bullseye of the bullseye. And I have warned people who said, I want to go to Israel. And they're kind of loopy. They're not really right with the Lord God. I've heard it said, and I've seen it happen, and I believe it. Whatever you are here will get amplified if you go to Jerusalem. If you're a knucklehead here, if you're a faker here, it's going to produce heavy if you go into that bullseye, Jerusalem. But if you truly love the Lord God for real, you go to Jerusalem, it's going to come out of you even more. Because it is the center of the center of everything. And it is God's, and He takes it very, very personal. I want to show you, before we wrap up, how just how special Jerusalem is to the Lord God, so you can understand why God has taken this so seriously. 1 Kings 14, 21 says, Jerusalem, the city which the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. Okay, if you do a great work, let's say uh, a painting, let's say you're a painter and you made a big master work, what do you do when you're done? You sign it. Whenever I've been in an art gallery and I say, man, that, that painting really attracts my attention. I look it over and I'm like, wow. Then eventually I go, who did this? And I'm looking for the name because sometimes they artistically sign it in there. It's hard to find, but it's part of the art itself. You can find the, who, who, who did it. And the Lord God is like this with all of creation. He made all of creation, all the world, and he signed it and he chose to put his name on Jerusalem. So that when people, believe it or not, they go, wow, this world is amazing. Eventually they go, who did this? Eventually they'll look at Jerusalem, they'll go, oh wow, the God of Israel did this. Then God gets glorified. If you have a master artwork, you did some big piece of work and you signed it and it's all perfect and you've got it just the way you want it, but then along comes some vandalizing fool who has never created anything in his life but he says he's going to come up and vandalize it. And he's going to come and, and tear stuff up. And he says, I'm going to get a big marker and I'm going to draw a big X right over the top of your name where you sign that. And I, I've done it to paintings all over town before. And all those other paintings, I've done it already. And I'm coming to get yours next. Whoever would do such a thing is just not marking off your work. They're also marking off you they would also be marking off your skill, your passion. They would also be marking off your authority. They would also be trying to mark off the very purpose for which you, why you created that work. And that's for the perspective in this story here. 
I want you to catch the sense of what the Lord thought of the king of Assyria, thinking that Jerusalem was going to be just another notch in his belt to brag about. And God says, no, it's not. You got a lot of nations after Israel right now. We're going to wipe Israel off the map. And God's going, no, you're not. And in the process of them trying to take Israel out and not being able to do it, they're going to go, who in the world's doing this? And then they're going to go, oh, that God of Israel, he must be real. Duh. Finally getting it. God is not so incapable of holding up his promises. And no man, however big or small, and no problem, however big or small, nothing is able to break the covenant promises that God has made with his people. Nothing can break it. Praise God. Or I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. God is not so incapable or loose with his commitments that he's going to let some knucklehead come along and violate whatever God has established. God can keep what he says he's going to keep. And he makes promises to keep you, but do you pray to him like you know it? Do you lay your problems in front of him like, I'm laying this problem down because God, you said you would keep me. You try to take on that problem yourself, you forgot God's promises on your life. So this should give us enough peace to know that we can trust God with our troubles. And we're wrapping up. Psalm 55, 22 says, cast your burden on your bank account and it shall sustain you. All your great dollar bills will never permit the righteous to be moved. For those of you listening to me on the radio and you don't have your Bible out, you know automatically I'm not telling you right. And I did that on purpose to give you a comparison. It says, cast your burden on the Lord and he alone. He shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Friends, we need to learn to deal with our problems the same way that Hezekiah did. We got to take our troubles, spread them out before the Lord. Now, some people like to fault God for not acting or not being capable of acting against trouble. You know, all those people that wonder, well, where's God? How come he doesn't do something? How come that's happening over there? They try to fault God. And How come he doesn't do something? Now, when you consider Hezekiah's trouble, the Lord could have acted immediately, couldn't he? He could have acted before the insults came. So now you got to wonder, why did God not act already? For those people, how come God didn't do something about this? we we got to consider something. How come he didn't already act on that? The reason why is because God waited for Hezekiah to ask Friends, why are we not asking? Where's our asking? Where is our prayer? Like we realize who God is. He wants to dwell with man. He's capable. He's strong. He's made guarantees. Why aren't we asking? James 4.2, you do not have because you do not ask. Don't shake your fist at God. Go, God, why haven't you done this yet? Have you asked? Remember chapter 18, Hezekiah would try to buy the Assyrians off with money. Hezekiah had to get pressure to turn around from trusting in money towards trusting in God. So could the Lord have done something about the Assyrian threat sooner? Of course he could have. But God had a bigger purpose in this story than just the Assyrian threat. See, it's bigger than just the Assyrian threat. And friends, your problems, it's bigger than just your problem. Your problem out there is a reflection of a problem in here, oftentimes. And he's trying to get your attention 
to lay it before the Lord. Did you lay it all? Lay it before the Lord God. God never has knee-jerk reactions. He never jumps the gun. He's always on time. Could he have acted sooner? Yes. But how would God have been glorified in this story if Hezekiah had not turned back to trusting in the Lord God? The threat is what got him to say, you know what? I give up. I can't do it anymore. That's what it took to get Hezekiah there. So can the Lord God act on your behalf sooner? Yes. But have you realized that God's all you got? Have you gotten there yet? Or you still have some money to play with? Or do you still have some little tricks to play with? Well, if you're still trying to pull those little levers, then you still got a little bit more to go, unfortunately. And I say that because I'm, I'm the most experienced in the room at this. I went down to nothing at one point in my life before I really gave it to the Lord God. He had to get glorified. Hezekiah had to learn to stop listening to the enemy before the Lord would listen to him. That's another big one. You got to stop listening to what the enemy says about you or how big the threat is. And that's a big hang up for a lot of people. They wonder why they're not hearing from God, but they don't realize it's because they're too busy listening to Satan. Ouch. I forgot my steel toe shoes. I was going to bring them and put them down here and just throw them on the floor. I need to bring those. I want, to, I want you to see what Jesus said about Satan in John eight forty four. He said, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Satan's demons love to spark fear and speak fear, just like the message that was given to Hezekiah was a fear message that said, where are all the kings now, huh? Where are they at? They're gone because we took them all out. That's right. They're gone because we beat them. Don't let your God trick you into thinking you can be saved by him. And oftentimes you're going to find yourself hearing the same threats against you. Every other problem killed off everybody else. And now you've got it. It's going to take you out. You're going down. There's not really anything your God can do about it at this point. You're, you're done. You're cooked. Nobody can save you. There's no way out. Friends, our Father doesn't speak like that, and you need to have the discernment to know the difference. God doesn't talk like that. You need to recognize satanic language from our Father's language. Turn on the news, all you're going to hear is lying and accusation. He did this, they did that. And a lot of it's a big lying scheme. They're speaking the same language that Rabshakeh spoke, words to scare people. And just like the Rabshakeh, they try to portray themselves as invincible, and they even claim that God's on their side. Remember the previous chapter, he said, God came to my side now, and he told me to destroy Jerusalem. I have God now. You don't. That's not the language a Christian should listen to. I want you to be able to know who you're listening to. If King Hezekiah had remembered the covenant promises that God made with Judah, he would have known better how to listen to the Assyrians' lying threats. He would have said, no way, I know better than to listen to this. I was thinking that all the way through this study. Hezekiah, you ought to know better than to hear that junk. But sometimes I look at Christians that are freaked out about these things going on in the world, and they let it own them, and I want to say the same thing. You should know better than to listen to that. I have to say it to myself too. Ray, you should know better than to listen to this language. So what we do is you look for wisdom in the Lord, you pray, and you lay it out before the Lord God. You got to know who you're listening to. If you expect God to hear you, then don't you think it's required of us first to listen to Him? Why should God hear you if you're not listening to Him first? 
Jesus said, John 8, 47, he who is of God hears God's words, therefore you do not hear because you are not of God. That's scary. If you're not hearing, you need to consider you might not be of God. You know, most people that say they're saved aren't. Ray, why'd you look at me? Did you know that most people who think they're saved are not saved? You can't do it. You're going to fail. There's no way out. You're going to bomb. You're going to die. It's the end. You know, while I was studying for this message, I had a pastor friend called me and said, Ray, I think I need to step down. I said, why? And he goes, well, because I'm not very good at this. And, because, and I think the same way. I get it. He had already disqualified himself and said, I can't do it because these big problems. I said, you know what? That's not language for you to listen to. Get back on that horse, ride again, say, God, I'm sorry you deal with it. And you go back up to the pulpit Sunday. I called him later. He goes, thank you. I feel better. Pastors think like this, even me. If you've been hearing and believing threatening words that says you're this big, that says you are a failure. If you have been believing, you can't do it. I'm going to dare say you're not listening to the Lord God. You need to stop hearing that language. Let the Lord God tell you who he says you are, not what the world says you are. Don't listen to the threatening lies of Satan. John 6, 63, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Amen. I want you to remember who God says you are. Do like Hezekiah and call upon the very name of the Lord God with humility and prayer. Do it today. Do it right now. I won't stop you if you want to do it right now. Get after it. But you've got to give it over to the Lord God. I want you to remember the words that the Lord said to Hezekiah in verse 6. He says, thus says the Lord, do not be afraid of the words that you have heard. Don't be afraid of them. Psalm 38, 15, for in you, O Lord, I hope you will hear, O Lord, my God. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord God, that you have spoken to us today through your word. You have a message for some people in here today that are going to take it to other people that need to hear it. That if they have been thinking such thoughts as this, they're listening to the wrong language. Teach us to listen to you, God, not the threats, not the I'm terrible, that I'm unloved or that I am condemned or that all these things. Lord, teach us to listen to you. So I thank you, Lord God, that you speak in ways of encouragement and you don't just say it, you confirm it. Lord, somebody in here today needs to understand this. Somebody in here today needs to take a problem and lay it down. I pray they do. They lay it down and get their hands off of it. Friend, I'm going to tell you, you've never been able to fix it yet. You're still trying. You can't fix it. You have gotten to the point where you're out, you're done. You just got to give it to God. Let him deal with it. Hand it over to the Lord God of Israel right now and watch your enemy run away. Let's praise our Lord God like we believe it. Amen? Amen. This is my prayer in the desert When all that within me feels dry This is my prayer and my hunger and need My 
God is the God who provides This is my bread and the fire Weakness or trial or pain There is a faith proof of more worth than gold So refine me, Lord, through the flame And I will bring praise, I will bring praise No weapon for me, as we shall remain I will rejoice, I will declare God is my victory and He is here This is my prayer in the battle When triumphs are still on its way I am a conqueror that coherent with Christ So firm on this promise I'll stand And I will bring praise, I will bring praise No weapon for make it, we shall remain I will rejoice, I will declare God is my victory and He is here. All of my life, He never sees and you are still God. And I have a reason to see. I have a reason to worship. to sing I have a reason to worship and all of my life He never sees and you are still God I have a reason to sing Weapon form again, we shall remain. I will rejoice, I will declare God is my victory, and He is here. And I will bring praise, I will bring praise. No weapon form again, we shall remain. I will rejoice, I will declare God is my victory. We did it. Oh, now it's hitting me. <laughs> it's hitting me. And I know some people, man, Ray, you preach a long time. I know. That's how we do things here. You ever go to a barbecue and they give you one bite? I say, dude, load my plate up. If, you, if it's good, you want a lot. So that's just the way we do it here. So if you like it, come on back. I'll give you another long one. Oh, it's too long. It's too long. Hey, it depends on how you perceive it. I like it. Thank you for being here. We did it, guys. The Lord God brought us here. Father, I'm going to release your people back out into the world, Lord God. They're going to go back out to their big problems, their big threats, but they're nothing to you, Lord God. May we learn to just shake our head at these problems and go, God's got this. Lord, teach us how to lay it before you. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.